When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome back into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show celebrating the Star Wars Legends line of books. I'm Aaron Motes. In today's episode, I feel the need, the need for speed. That's right, we're starting the X-Wing series with Rogue Squadron by Michael Stackpole. But before I get into the story... I put out a Twitter poll asking folks what book they'd like to hear next, and to nobody's surprise, you guys want me to continue with the X-Wing series. Now, thank you to everyone that voted. So, that means I'll be doing Wedge's Gamble on March 26th. Now, all told, there are 10 books in the X-Wing series. Personally, I don't want to do all 10 in a row, so I've decided to break them up. I'll start with the first four X-Wing books that cover the rogues helping the New Republic take Coruscant from the Empire. Then I'll go to other stories for a while and come back to do the next story arc featuring Wraith Squadron. And finally I'll work in the last three books in amongst other stories. I'll probably be putting up some other Twitter polls in the future, so if you haven't followed the show on Twitter, make sure to do so. You can find it at Legends Lounge 1. And feel free to comment about anything you want. You can also send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com. Now, let's dive into today's book discussion, X-Wing Rogue Squadron. It's time to head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Rogue Squadron is Top Gun in space, and I know I'm not the first to say that. It's the story of reforming the Alliance's most elite fighter squadron for the New Republic. And of course, Wedge Antilles, everybody's favorite fighter pilot from the original trilogy, is picked to reform the group. The story begins with Wedge putting the new pilots through simulator training, the best of the group are Broar Jace from Thyfera and Corrin Horn, a former member of the Corellian Security Forces who fled Corsec with his boss, his partner, and his partner's husband when the Empire locked down the system. Corrin is Tom Cruise's maverick, like Jace is Val Kilmer's Iceman. They're both on the same team, but they want to better the other, and they want to rub the other's nose in it. Wedge puts dozens of the finest pilot candidates through the ringer before selecting the 11 that'll make up the rogues, and there are as many political selections as there are military ones, with humans and alien species from Corellia, Ryloth, Thyfera, Bothawee, 
and they even include a young farm boy from Tatooine, Gavin Darklighter, the cousin of Biggs Darklighter. Not only does the New Republic want Rogue Squadron to lead the charge to Coruscant, but it wants the rogues to be seen as symbols of unity throughout the galaxy. The one exception is Wedge's executive officer. Like many in the New Republic military, Tycho Selchu was an Imperial defector. He left the Empire following the destruction of Alderaan, his homeworld. The former TIE fighter pilot joined the Rebellion and fought in numerous battles but he's most notable as the A-Wing pilot during the Battle of Endor that got a few ties to follow him out of the second Death Star, leaving fewer ties to follow Wedge and Lando Calrissian. Following the victory, Tycho volunteered for a covert mission to Coruscant. He was captured by the Empire, escaped, and returned, but many in the New Republic don't trust him. They don't think Tycho escaped, but was brainwashed and let go. Wedge eventually gets what he wants, though, and Tycho is named XO, but with restrictions. Tycho is not allowed to fly any ship that has weapons, he cannot leave his room unless it's for official Rogue Squadron business, and he's accompanied by New Republic guards at all times. Now, Wedge doesn't tell the Rogues about Tycho's history, but they know something's not right. Tycho's a top fighter pilot, but doesn't fly with them in the squadron. They know he's being monitored. They see the guards, and that doesn't sit right with them, especially Corrin. But Wedge tells him not to worry about it, and the former investigator agrees to drop the issue, but no, he won't forget it. The Imperials pursuing the rogues are led by Curtin Lore, an ISB agent that led the investigation into the Corellian security forces when Corrin Horn defected. Lore is a diligent investigator with a near-photographic memory. If he sees it or reads it, he remembers it. Lore reports to Isane Isard, the director of ISB. She's brilliant, she's ambitious, and she's deadly. Isard knows the New Republic will soon be pushing for Coruscant, but she plans to make it hell for them to take the planet, and that plan involves destroying Rogue Squadron. Now, the Rogue's first mission is to take out an Imperial supply depot on the planet Talesia, a world that could also serve as a staging point for the New Republic to advance toward Coruscant. But Republic forces are pulled out of hyperspace by an interdictor cruiser early in the last leg of their journey. It's purely by accident, however. The interdictor was trying to trap smugglers from leaving Imperial space. It's the first test for the rogues against Imperial fighters, and it's a rout. The rogues destroyed dozens of the ties without suffering a single casualty, just damage to three X-Wings, including Corrin's. Now, when Agent Lore analyzes the battle, he discovers where the rogues were headed and reports the information to Imperial Admiral Devlia, who's in charge of that sector. Lore suggests Devlia send a large force to wipe out the rogues, but the Admiral isn't convinced. Instead, Devlia sends a small stormtrooper contingent to investigate the situation. The stormtroopers attack at night. The firefight is intense, but the rogues prevail, proving to be nearly as deadly on the ground as they are in space. But the squadron suffers its first casualties. Rogue 11, Lujane Forge, from Kessel, is killed in her sleep, while Corrin and Gavin, rogues 9 and 5 respectively, are severely injured. Following the attack, the Republic relocates to the planet Nokivzer to plan their next move. 
Eisheart believes that attack will take place on the planet Borlaeus, and she sends Lore to the planet to warn General Avir Derricote and to help prepare. But Derricote has a secret. He's been running his own black market business, selling foodstuffs and diverting Imperial funds to reinforce the planet's defenses. When the rogues and Republic forces attack, it looks like a cakewalk, but Derricote springs the trap, reinforcing shields and unleashing cannons hidden on the planet. The Republic forces turn to flee, but an Imperial Star Destroyer jumps into the system, leaving the rogues caught between the planet and the Star Destroyer. Republic forces take heavy casualties. Two of the rogues are killed. Rogue 2, Peshk Vrisik, a Bothan, and Rogue 12, Andorni Hui, a Rodian. Now when they regroup on New Kivzer, Korin meets one of the Republic's ground commandos, a man named Lieutenant Judder Page. Page tells Korin he suggested waiting to attack Borlaeus, but the generals wouldn't listen. Page and Korin discuss what happened, and when they analyze the battle data, they find a weakness in Derricote's defenses, a power conduit that connects the main Imperial base to the backup power generators. The two form a dangerous plan, a half dozen X-Wings and a few ground troop dropships, basically a suicide mission, will return to Berlaeus. But the Republic approves the plan, only on a volunteer basis. Wedge and Corrin take the lead, diving through the planet's defenses. They fail to destroy the conduit on their first run, but Wedge destroys it on his second, opening the planetary defenses for Page's ground troops. The rogues turn to leave, but Corrin can't make the jump to hyperspace. He's lost too much fuel. Wedge is forced to leave Corrin behind, but he's rescued by a smuggler ship, the Pulsar Skate, captained by Mirax Tarek, the daughter of the infamous smuggler Booster Tarek. Mirax shuttles Corrin and his X-Wing back to Nokivzer and back to the rogues. Now the story ends with Agent Lore and General Derricote on Coruscant. Iceheart knows the Republic's attack on Coruscant is imminent. She has a spy in Rogue Squadron, giving her information, and she wants Lore and Derricote to prepare a trap for them. It's time for a break. When we return, I'll talk about what I liked about the book. Spoiler alert, big fan. And one or two things I'm not really bullish on. And will any of Rogue Squadron be used in Star Wars moving forward? I'm Aaron Motes. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Hey, everybody. Let me take a moment to recommend a book from Star Wars canon, Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Based on unproduced scripts from the Clone Wars TV show, Dark Disciple features Asajj Ventress and Jedi Quinlan Voss joining forces to try to assassinate Count Dooku. Ventress wants retribution from her dark past as Dooku's apprentice, but she must balance her fury with her former master and her growing feelings for Voss. Can a former Sith and a Jedi join forces to take down the Dark Side's greatest warrior and leader of the Separatists? Find out in Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. 
I'm Aaron Motes, and I'm talking about the book X-Wing Rogue Squadron by Michael Stackpole. Now, like a lot of folks that enjoy the Legends line of books, I love the X-Wing series. It's a combination Top Gun slash Band of Brothers in space. I'm also a member of the military. I'm in the Air National Guard. So a lot of the camaraderie and rivalries you see between the pilots and the story appeals to me. I've never worked with fighter jocks before, but I have met some. And you have to have an ego to do that job. And I think Stackpole does a pretty good job of writing those egos, particularly between Corrin Horn and Broar Jace. Corrin wants Broar to know that Corrin's the best pilot in the squadron. And Broar wants Corrin to know that Broar's the best pilot in the squadron. Unfortunately, both of them know that Wedge is the best pilot in the squadron. But regardless, I like the back and forth between the two in the book. I'm also a huge fan of an origin story. The beginning of the book where Wedge is putting all the pilots through simulator training is some of my favorite parts of the book. We're introduced to a few of the rogues. Some will come to know a lot better than others. You know, when there's 12 members of the squadron, Wedge plus 11 others, I understand that you can't really tell all of their stories. You have to focus on a few of them. And Stackpole decides to focus on Corn Horn. I'm sure most people that have read Legends know that going forward, Corn becomes a big player in the Legends line. I don't want to spoil too much for folks that plan on reading more of the Legends books, but one thing we learn later on is that Corn is force sensitive. He trains to become a Jedi and eventually becomes a Jedi Master a few decades later. However, full confession, I'm not a fan of Corns. I don't really know what it is. I think it's how much of the story is told from inside Corn's head. And, you know, that carries forward in all of the Rogue books. It carries forward into the I Jedi novel. I'm just not a fan of the way Corn thinks. Uh, and I think that's really the only reason I'm not a big fan of the character. I love the character type. I love how Corrin interacts with the other rogues. And I really enjoy how the whole squadron functions both together and individually. But just Corrin's character himself, I've never been a fan of. I am a fan of Gavin Darklighter. I think in all of the Legend stories, the two characters that were developed in Legends post-Return of the Jedi that are my favorite are Jaina Solo and Gavin Darklighter. Gavin will eventually grow up to be the leader of Rogue Squadron. I just like a guy who goes to work, does his job, is really good at it, and really likes it. You know, Gavin doesn't have any force sensibilities. When we meet him here, he's still a teenager. He's a little shy. He doesn't have a ton of confidence, but how could he when he's matched up with a lot of the other fighter pilots that are trying to make Rook Squadron? 
But I really like how Gavin's character grows throughout the series and throughout some of the other Legends books that he features in. Another one of the characters I really like, though, is Corrin's wingmate, Oral Quirg, the Gand pilot. In fact, I think it's really cool how many alien species are members of the rogues. You know, there's the Twi'lek, Navara Venn, who's another pretty good character, the former lawyer turned starfighter pilot. You know, we lose two aliens in this one, a Bothan and a Rodian, and those two characters we don't really know much about. In fact, I don't think Pesh the Bothan even has one line of dialogue in the book. If he does, I don't remember it. Uh, there's a little bit with Andorni, the Rodian, but it's less than 10 lines of dialogue. But there are others. There's a Shistavanian, uh, Gavin's wingman, and their mechanic is one of the insectoid-type aliens. But the most notable one coming from Rogue Squadron is Oral. Oral's a Gand who speaks in the third person, and he's a really good fighter pilot. He's a really good wingman. Most of the time, Corrin takes the lead because Corrin outranks him, but there are times where Oral, Rogue 10, takes the lead, and Corrin has to be his wingman, and Oral holds his own. If I remember correctly in the book, he has four kills. So he's a character to look for as we go further along in the series. Now, the one other character that I really, really like is Isane Iceheart. Iceheart, as they call her, because she has two differently colored eyes. One eye is a molten red color, and the other eye is an unnaturally icy blue. Iceheart runs the Imperial Security Bureau, or ISB, and I kind of equate it to the Eastern German secret police during World War II and right after World War II during the Cold War. They're used to further the Emperor's plans, but the rest of the Empire doesn't trust them because sometimes they're investigating the Empire itself. Isard's father used to run ISB, and it's rumored that she had charges trumped up on him sent those charges to the emperor and had her father executed. It's also rumored that she and the emperor were lovers at one point. Neither of these rumors can be proven, but Isart uses them to intimidate her underlings. You know, right now she's the most powerful person in the empire, even though a lot of the sectors have kind of formed their own little empires, she controls Coruscant. She still controls the Galactic Core. And we're only talking a little over two years after the Battle of Endor. And as we'll see moving forward, she's not afraid to do some extremely devious things in order to try to destroy the New Republic. Now, I already said one of the few things I don't like in the X-Wing series is the character of Corrin Horn. One other very, very small thing that I don't like is how Stackpole always calls 
a Twi'lex Laku headtails. He never uses the term Leku or Leku, however you pronounce it. I don't know if they change that and start calling them Leku later on. That's not something that pops into my head. That's just something that on this read of Rogue Squadron, I noticed, and I noticed it every single time he described Navarra Venn. He just kept using the term headtails. And I mean, I can see you using that once or twice, but at some point you would have figured he would have called them by what they're actually called, Leku. But again, that's just a really, really small thing. Now, let's get into the fun stuff. Can we see anything from Rogue Squadron moving forward in Star Wars canon? Obviously, we're getting a movie. We're getting a movie called Rogue Squadron from Patty Jenkins, the director of the two Wonder Woman films. We don't know exactly when it's going to take place, although we know that it takes place sometime in the future part of the timeline. Most people believe it's going to take place after The Rise of Skywalker, Episode 10. So a few things we know won't be in there. Obviously, there's no way Wedge can be leading the fighter squadron if that's when it takes place. I doubt they'll have the same characters. I think they can have one or two, but they're not going to have a lot of them. I think they're all going to be original characters. Maybe you'll see one or two pop up eventually because if it is a movie about fighter pilots, and let's face it, if it does really well, it could start its own series of movies. Fighter pilots are killed in combat. It's not going to be the same people every battle. Pilots come and pilots go. I think a lot like the X-Wing novels, the movie is going to focus on two or three main characters with the rest of the squadron filling in the numbers. We're not going to get Imperial bad guys, though, and we're not going to get First Order bad guys. Whoever the antagonists are in the movie are going to be someone else. There's going to be some new threat to whatever government is established. I mean, let's face it, the New Republic in canon is all but destroyed. So it'll be interesting at first to see what kind of government is set up, and then within that government, what kind of military is set up, and then, of course, what the threat to that government and military is. But again, that's if Rogue Squadron takes place after the rise of Skywalker. One thing I would like to see in the movie are some of the alien species. I don't want all 12 pilots in the squadron to be human. I want to see a Twi'lek. I want to see a Gand. I want to see one of the frog people, like Frog Lady and Frog Man from The Mandalorian. You know, whatever. I just want to see three or four alien species as members of the squadron. Maybe we'll finally get to see a Bothan in canon. To this point, we still haven't seen any. The, the only thing we know in canon is the story from Mon Mothma about the Bothans stealing the plans for the second Death Star. It's weird that it's the one alien species we still haven't seen. But I'd be tickled if we saw an Ural Quirg in the Rogue Squadron movie. Personally, 
I think this type of story would be great for a Disney Plus series. And maybe it will after the movie. Maybe the movie is like the origin. But I'm a fan when it comes to military movies and TV shows of being embedded down there with the troops. I want to be with these people in training, in the mess hall, on leave, everything. I want to see their day-to-day. That's one of the things I think uh, the Battlestar Galactica series from the early 2000s did really well, was show the day-to-day of the fighter pilots. Now, what else could we see for Rogue Squadron going forward? I can see a lot of it being like Legends. I can see them start an entire new Rogue Squadron book series, comic series, video game series. As far as fighter pilot stories go, we have the Alphabet Squadron books in canon. I've read the first one. I haven't read the second or third yet. That's an extremely small squadron, though. It's only five pilots. And I I enjoyed the first one. I thought it was a little slow starting out. But by the end of the book, I enjoyed it a lot. I hear the second and third one are really good. I just haven't got around to them yet. Now, one little fun fact here at the end. There are a few things from the X-Wing series that are canon. Not Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Not really canon, but there are homages to the X-Wing books in a canon book. In the Empire Strikes Back, from a certain point of view... The story about Wedge Antilles after the escape from Hoth has a few little references to the X-Wing books from Legends. One of them pertains to Wedge's R5 series astromech droid. It makes some weird squeaks, some weird noises, and Wedge says it reminds him of a Minoc. Of course, in the X-Wing series of books, Wedge names his R5 unit Minoc. And another one that pops to mind is actually a reference to some of the Wraith Squadron books, and it involves Wedge's friend Wes Jansen, who is his XO in the Wraith Squadron books, and it deals with Lieutenant Ketch, for those of you who know the Wraith Squadron books. I'm not going to spoil it here because we'll get to the Wraith Squadron books eventually. But when I saw that little interaction between Wedge and Jansen in the Certain Point of View book, it made me chuckle. I actually did chuckle out loud. And I don't usually chuckle while I'm reading, but uh, that one made me laugh. Anyway, I'm really excited about the movie. I think it comes out in 2023. I think that's right. I'm not 100% positive, but I think that's right. It's 2023. And I'm hoping we get a lot of other stories about the Rogues going forward. Well, that's about it for this episode. Join me again on March 26th when we'll get book two in the X-Wing series, Wedge's Gambit. Once again, I'm Aaron Motes. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or look me up on Twitter at legendslounge1. And I promise I will be more active on the Twitter feed. Work has been pretty hectic lately and I just really haven't had time to get on there. 
But look for the Legends Lounge Twitter feed to be more active here in the next few weeks. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Once again, I'm Aaron Motes. Remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. <laughs>